We're continuing in our series about uh, storytelling and stories, and um, so I'm excited to pick up on that today. And um, I was thinking about a title, um, and I've had lots of different titles. I put down cultivating better stories or telling better stories. And um, when Leslie brought that, um, that word this morning about light coming into the room, about the Lord bringing light into the room, it really resonated with me and some of the things that we want to talk about today. Because um, I think at times um, there are stories that we tell ourselves all of our lives. And when I, when, I, when I think about the idea of story, the word story and storytelling today, the context I want you to hear is a really broad context, a really broad idea of, of like, you know, you grow up and your family is telling you stories as you grow up. Uh, and those stories become ingrained in you and they form you. And we're all formed by a lifetime of stories. Um, I know when I got married to Sarah, and I found out that my lifetime of stories was, this is what you do on Christmas Eve. This is how you decorate a Christmas tree. That actually just happened to end up being my story, and it wasn't her story. And we had a good fight about it, because it was all of a sudden like, oh, well, your story is different than my story about how you do certain things. And as you come into relationship with people, you start hearing one another's stories, and you go, wow, that is an amazing story. I have no experience with that. Or you start hearing stories of people's lives and you go, wow, that really, we've got a similar background. I can't believe that happened to you. That happened to me, right? So we start telling the stories of our lives. And at times in our lives, the stories that have, we've, that have inform us, the stories that have formed us and the stories that make us, some aspects of those stories are great. Some aspects of those stories are not great. Some of us go, man, if you, if you could only hear my story, it's it's bad it's it's tough it's hard it's miserable um so stories are these things that form us and that we that um are both our conscious and our unconscious response to things so one of the things that you see as you read and you see what jesus did and how jesus lived you see jesus telling stories differently you hear him talk to his disciples and he'll say things like you have heard it said, and then he goes, but I say this. And what he's saying to his disciples and his followers is, you've heard stories all your life about this is the cultural tradition, this is the religious tradition, this is your family tradition, this is how it's done, how you think it's been done. And then he says, but I say. And he speaks a better word. In Hebrews, it talks about the blood of Jesus speaking a better word over our lives. And so as we, uh, for each one of us, as we, uh, my prayer is that that light penetrating into the darkness will be what the Lord does in us today as we talk about developing and telling and cultivating and hearing better stories. Because the, the Lord has a better story over your life than you're speaking about it. The Lord has a better story over your life than your family has spoken about it, and your religion has spoken about it, and your culture has spoken about it. God wants to speak a better word over each of our lives. He wants to tell better stories over our lives. So I've been reading a book um, about stories, and it's a, uh, it's a book by Bono, the lead singer of U2. Does everybody know who Bono is? 
Okay, I see heads nodding, sort of. Okay, all right. So he's an Irishman. Uh, he founded the U2 band, and there's a recent book that came out about him, 40 songs and, and one story. And uh, so he was, he was raised in Ireland, and he was really shaped in England by um, some of the punk bands that came out in like the 60s and the 70s. And, and so in his book, he wrote this. He wrote the Ten Commandments of Punk. And um, I read, I thought it would be interesting. The reason I want to read these to you is because these are the things that inform us, right? These are the stories that make us. So these were the Ten Commandments of Punk that Bono said uh, formed this generation of people who grew up together. Um, one is, thou shalt know everything by the time thou art 17 with a great and sure certainty. Thou shalt proclaim the year zero and not honor the past, because the new alone shall count. Thou shalt wear a garb of torn leather jacket and trousers with accessories bearing a hint of S&M with thy feet shod with Doc Martens. Thy t-shirt shall, like thy lyrics, will bear a slogan to offend. Thou shalt be bored, angry, pretty vacant, or at least faintly pissed off. Thou shalt have no more heroes nor accept anyone in authority. Thou shalt bear an adjective for a surname like rotten or vicious. Thou shalt connect thy audience that, uh, so that they may invade thy stage or receive thy spit in their eye. Let them mosh. Thou shalt speak the truth in a fake Cockney accent, even if thou art Irish or went to a minor English public school. Thou shalt not grow old, lest, thy come, lest they come to realize the biggest authority that I will need to defeat is thine own self. So I, I kind of share those Ten Commandments in jest and in joke. And, and for some of you who understand punk music, you might go, oh, yeah, that makes sense for others of us. We're like, eh, I don't know what that means. Other than um, you shall know everything by, with certainty by the age 17. I think we've all experienced that. Um, but I, I, I use that as a metaphor, as an example for us to start thinking about the things that form us. Those stories that we tell, this generation of punk musicians in England and Ireland were telling themselves these stories. They're living by these stories. The past doesn't matter. The future, it only, this is year zero. We live moving forward. We all carry stories, family stories, religious stories, cultural stories. And my question is, is how do we allow the Lord to tell and how do we receive better stories. There's a, there's a passage of scripture that says, God has placed eternity in the hearts of people. So in each one of us, regardless of your story, regardless of your background, the Lord has placed something inside of you. He's placed eternity inside of you. He's placed inside of you a desire to know the reality of who God is and who you are and how you fit. That is in each one of us. And the Lord wants to resonate that story. Last week, Sarah shared about the guy who was uh, blind and Jesus healed him. And there was all sorts of cultural questions and religious questions and family questions. And he just kept saying, I don't know what happened, but I was blind and now I see. And it was this dude, this Jesus dude that did this. I don't know. All these other questions that are swirling around. But God has got this desire and this passion to meet you for you to know him, for the story of the eternity that you're longing for in your heart to resonate with who God is. 
The Samaritan woman, when she encountered Jesus and told her story, she's like, he told me everything I had ever done. She was like, Jesus met me and knew me. The Lord wants to meet each one of us and know us. The disciples, when Jesus called them, they're like, man, something resonates inside of me. I want to follow Jesus. And even when things got hard, the disciples said, where else are we going to go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. We want to follow you. There's something in us as people that we resonate and we're longing for and looking for the story of Jesus. But we can start telling and culturally, and we can start hearing lots of stories and we start developing stories. We start developing stories about church and religion and Jesus and all of those kinds of things. In fact, when Jesus showed up in his time, and started calling disciples and started his ministry, there's all sorts of religious activity going on at the time, all sorts of different expectations. And Jesus inserts himself into the stories of these people and then starts progressively blowing their minds and challenging them and giving them new ways of seeing and bringing new aspects into the story. So I want to talk today about this idea of of the Lord wants to speak better stories over each one of our lives, and the Lord wants to give us the ability to cultivate his stories in our lives. He wants us to, he, he wants to take us through a process of maturity. In Romans, it talks about renewing your mind, thinking differently. How do we renew our minds? How do we, how do we cultivate the better stories, the God stories in our lives? where we have fear or anxiety or shame or where people have spoken things over us that we're living under, that we're living under and thinking about, the Lord wants to speak something different. This process, this, this journey of following Jesus is a journey of maturity, a journey of us learning more. I, I like to use the example of the children of Israel, the story in Exodus. We've seen the Exodus story, or at least we've seen the cartoon, or we've seen something uh, of that story. But the children of Israel journey out of Egypt, and they've been living there for 400 years. And it was this immediate thing of them coming through the Red Sea and being free of Egypt. And there was this thing that took place in a short amount of time. They came out of Egypt. But what took a really long time was for the Lord to work Egypt out of them. To, to not think like they were in bondage to the Egyptians. To not think and, and act and tell stories. They needed to develop new stories. And that's like for us. When we begin following Jesus, when Jesus starts working in us, when, when we say, man, I want to follow Jesus. That's the story I've been waiting for. Jesus says, yeah, come follow me. And in the process, by the way, I'm going to probably rework some of your story. I'm going to probably challenge some things that you've held. So I'll give you an example. Jesus starts with the disciples, and they're going to go up to Jerusalem. And on their way, they decide to swing through this Samaritan village. And they're going to, Jesus sits down at the well and starts talking with this woman. And it says this in John 4, verse 9. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? 
So we're not going to go actually into that whole story, but this is, this is one of the things that Jesus did, is he said, you know, you have cultural expectations of how people groups relate. The Jews and the Samaritans, it says this, the Jews refuse to have anything to do with the Samaritans. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm up for challenging that one. I'm up for telling a better story. I'm up for cultivating a better story. By the way, the things, the divisions that you've created between Jews and Samaritans, that's not how I think. So he spends time talking with this woman. And then this, this woman has this amazing revelation. And Jesus, she's the first person that Jesus reveals that he's the Messiah to, is this group of people that they weren't supposed to relate. They weren't supposed to get on. And this was a cultural story that was a bad story that Jesus was breaking down. So the disciples return, and they're like, what happened? What's going on? And Jesus says, wake up and look around. Here's what he says. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. So Jesus is saying, he's, he's looking at this Samaritan village and he's like, when I look at this village, when I look at this group of people, I see my, my people, I see a harvest. I see people that I want to follow me. I see people that I'm going to reveal myself to. And then John records this. Uh, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. Jesus telling a better story to this individual person who he wasn't supposed to be relating with, he calls, there's a whole harvest that comes in this place. And now the disciples are like, wow, this is not what I was expected. Jesus is telling a different story. When the people came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Jesus starts telling a better story. Dwight Pryor talks about this process of growing up in maturity as being one of repentance and renewal. And I want us to think about those things. I want you to think about repentance as um, recognizing in ourselves, recognizing in ourselves that the ideas and images that have been placed there by the world, by our upbringing, by our culture, that, that there are things that the Lord wants us to turn from. The, the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't relate to each other. And then the second is renewal, replacing images and ideas with kingdom realities implanted by the word of God. So this process of, of us following Jesus and walking with Jesus and the Lord working in us and renewing us, there's this process of repentance and renewal of the Lord wanting to cultivate and establish and tell better stories over our lives. And he did this a lot with the disciples. At times he would say, you've heard it said, but I say, right? We talked about that before. He'd say things like, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. He would say things like, be compassionate to the unkind. <laughs> Be compassionate to the wicked. He, would, he was extending compassion, whereas as normal 
uh, human beings, we wouldn't want to do that. He was telling different stories. Jesus did something that was counter to his disciples' culture. And he's through these processes and stories and journeying, Jesus is rewiring stories and retelling stories and helping disciples see differently. How about in our lives? What are things that as you've started following Jesus and walking with Jesus that the Lord has brought light into your life and you start seeing, wow, I used to think that way and I don't think that way anymore. I used to be this way. I used to be uh, mean. I used to be angry. And the Lord has changed that. The Lord has spoken a better story into my life. Where in our lives has the Lord changed our thinking? Where have we found in our upbringing that it's like, wow, I've been believing stories that are not in alignment with the heart of Jesus and the person of Jesus. The Lord wants to cultivate in us new stories. Do we live, do we have our own Ten Commandments of punk? What are your Ten Commandments that you grew up with? I told you, you know, what are those things that marked you? I have stories that marked me growing up. And it could just be siblings. I had an adopted brother. I had a, a brother with Down syndrome. Um, you know, we get marked by, you know, were you the oldest born? Were you the youngest born, right? You start taking on all of these different stories that you tell yourselves. The middle children tell themselves that, uh, oh, yeah, you know, what are, the, what are the stories that middle children tell themselves? What are the stories that we tell? What, what areas of abandonment or abuse that happened in our lives? What are those stories that we repeat in our hearts and our minds now? How about people groups? How about how we think about, you know, I grew up thinking as it relates to the gospel that most people are rebellious towards the Lord and they need to humble themselves and come to the Lord. And I didn't realize that that was only one side of the equation. You know, the prophecy about Jesus is that he was going to make the high places low and make the low places high. I didn't understand the low places needing to come up in my theology growing up as a kid. I just thought everybody was rebellious to, towards the Lord, and I didn't realize that people are captive, broken, oppressed, poor. And Jesus came and he said, and I'm going to raise you up. And yes, the rebellious, I'm going to bring you down but I'm gonna raise you up. And that's stuff that's changed and shaped in my heart, how I view people. How do we view one another? How do we view others? Do I only view people as anti-God and rebellious to the Lord? Or do I view people as broken and, and in bondage and enslaved and, and the Lord needing to come and rescue? So how are the stories, what are the stories that we approach the world with how, how do we talk about other groups of people? How do we talk about other ethnicities, other races? Those things get formed in us from a very early age, from a very young age. How we think about someone from a different culture, or a different race, different background, different socioeconomic category. And Jesus wants to come and say, yeah, I'm going to... In, in your life, I'm going to rework those things. I'm going to rework things in you. And I'm going to use the things that are in you as well. He does both, doesn't he? He, 
He takes what's in us and amplifies what he's put in there. And then he says, and, and I'm going to adjust this story, and I'm going to renew this story, and I'm going to change this story. He works in our lives to do all of those different things. So there are cultures and religious paradigms that, that we've believed that are stories that we believe. There are stories that we say over our own lives that we believe. So how do we tell better stories? How does the Lord look at it? The Lord looks at us and says, hey, come journey with me. Come walk with me in Matthew 11. I'll show you the rhythms of grace. I'll show you how I do it. And Jesus says, come walk with me, work with me. And he starts telling us stories. And they're true stories, not like Stanley Dahl, who tells stories that are, that are like 90% fictitious and 10% true. I learned that in high school. He was telling me stories, and I'm like, this is bizarre. It was like sea slugs coming up out of an outhouse and like really freaking stuff out. And I was like, what, what, what? He, and I just learned that he was lying to me. So that was just it. But he starts telling us stories that are true and realities that are true. So we got to start beginning to be honest with our stories and listening to our stories. We're always telling stories. You know that? You, you're always telling stories. You're always, we're always talking, whether it's coming out of our mouths, whether it's coming out in our social media posts. We're telling stories all the time. Are we listening to the stories we're telling. I know I've jumped around a little bit, but there's a quote. Um, if you could go back, Andy, to the very beginning. I think that's the second quote that I had. Rich Velotis, he uses the word messages, and I'm using the word stories, and he says this, we all carry deeply rooted messages in our souls, and unless we ex excavate, behold, and then reject them, we will live controlled by lies. And those aren't the only messages and stories. We also have good messages and stories in our lives that the Lord wants to breathe on and blow and amplify. But we also have messages and stories that we believe that the Lord wants to excavate. It's a good word, excavate these stories in our lives. So Jesus, Jesus was doing that all the time. He told his disciples, he said, you know, he, he, they came up to him and they're like, your mom and your, your brothers are out there. They want to see you. And he's like, oh, by the way, my mom and my brothers, those are the people, not just biological, but they're people who do my will. He starts changing the way people think about family. So this passage, Luke 6, verse 43. Andy, sorry I'm jumping around so much. How do we create better stories? And I want you to read it this passage with me. Luke 6, 43. Jesus is saying this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good, produ a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. What's stored up in our hearts? What stories are stored up in our hearts? What's, what, what are the good things that are stored up in our hearts? Man, when we start speaking, those things come out. 
What hard things, what bad things, what bad stories are stored up in our hearts that we start speaking, those things come out. I remember Laura Francis a a couple months ago, you remember she shared a story about how she's a piano, she, she got her degree in piano teaching, she's an amazing pianist and cello player, and for 20 plus years was frightened every time, so scared of performing because of what had happened to her in her upbringing with piano. And the Lord had to redeem that and restore that and change that in her heart. And she had, he was speaking a better story over her life. So what is stored up in our hearts? Where does it come from? How do our different stories contribute to what's stored up in our hearts? What's stored up in your heart? What we oftentimes will learn what's stored up in our hearts by listening to what comes out of our mouths. What are the things that we're meditating on? What are the things that we're mulling over? What are the things we're processing? What are the things that we're, um, I call it marinating on. I I know, I just, I like marinades. But I just think, you know, um, we do that in our lives, right? We marinate. And whatever you're marinating in, everything tastes like that, doesn't it? You're marinating it in something with lemon juice, and you start eating, and you're like, oh, that's got a strong lemon taste to it. Uh, what, whatever we're marinating in, whatever we're meditating on, whatever we're mulling over, those are the things that are in our heart. Those are the things that are going to come out. What do you meditate on? What do you focus on? What do you cultivate? And oftentimes those can be things that are both internal and external. What are the things that we're meditating on? You can tell what you meditate on by the stories that you tell. And when I use the word meditate, I'm not talking about like a transcendental meditation or anything like that. I'm talking about it's a biblical word. It's a biblical process. It's something that you're, you're mulling over. If we want to know what's in our hearts, then listen to our stories and really listen. Have other people tell you back. It's so important to have other people listen to the words coming out of your mouth, (laughs) to listen to the stories that you're telling so they can retell them back to you. And they can say, wow, I think there's an opportunity for a better story here. I think there's an opportunity to say something different. In Luke 9, Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and they wanted to go through a village and it was, this was another Samaritan village. And when the Samaritan village heard they were headed to Jerusalem, they're like, no, we don't want you to come through our town. And the disciples were bent out of shape. And they're like, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Wow. Clearly they hadn't been marinating with Jesus long enough. Like, and Jesus says, it says this in verse 40, 55, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went to another village. Like, Jesus, and in uh, the, the footnote in my Bible says this, some manuscripts add a further explanation. And it, and it, would, and it says this, Jesus said, you don't re- realize what your hearts are like. Jesus is saying that. You don't realize what your hearts are like. There's, I'm sure they just responded out of a gut reaction, an unconscious reaction of like, oh, this is just what we do. Jews and Samaritans, we fight. We don't get along. 
And Jesus is like, you don't really realize what your hearts are like. He wasn't condemning every part of their heart and saying, oh, you're completely bad. He was saying, I think you need to learn a better story about how you relate. And he said this, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. Jesus says, you don't realize what your hearts are like. That's where repentance comes in, isn't it? Jesus starts speaking a story over us, and he goes, you don't realize what you're talking about. You're telling grandpa's story, and grandpa's story was off. But grandpa gave you a DNA of generosity and faith and kindness and compassion, but he also gave you this junk. He's off. What rolls off your tongue reveals your heart. Also, what you think about yourself, your views of God, judgments you've made of others. Start listening to your stories. How do we think our stories play with one another as well? The way our stories are told, the way we speak, impacts those around us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's a connection between our mouth and our heart. And that's one of the things I want to help us see today. There's a connection between your mouth and your heart. Not your mind and your mouth, your heart and your mouth. So how do we tell, how do we see these stories worked out in us? How do we mature in the Lord? How do we walk in the Lord? How do we cultivate better stories? I want to just suggest a couple things this morning. In Colossians 3, 16, Paul writes this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, one of the questions I constantly think about when we're in our time of music in our time of singing when we gather for that aspect of worship because that's not all worship is it's just one aspect of it is why do we sing these verses why do we repeat these things it's because there's a confession with our mouth that's connected to our heart and if your heart's not there yet sometimes you can be speaking the words and you're like lord make these words real in my heart and sometimes as we're worshiping and as we're singing, we're like, yeah, that's in my heart. And the words just give us language for it to come out. So songs, hymns, spiritual songs, these are avenues for us to be declaring better stories over our lives. I was, I've been challenging Jane in, in um, hey, let's talk about music. Because the music that we sing and the, the words that we declare, we're speaking those stories over our lives. And they affect what's in our heart. So what are you speaking over your life? What are the songs you're singing over your life? Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. That's why we gather. That's why we talk. That's how the Lord dwells among us, as he dwells among us as we talk as we tell stories, as we say, there's a better way, there's a better story, the Lord has something better for you, the Lord has something better for me, the Lord has something better for others. The Lord dwells among us richly. 
Paul says in, uh, in, he talks in 1 Corinthians 2 about us having the mind of Christ. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we have, might have the mind of Christ. In Philippians, Paul says this, in your relationships with one another, in your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Christ. And then he goes on to say, who took on the form of a servant and laid his life down. What is, it, what is in our mind? What is in our heart? In Psalm 19, David says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. The words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart. There's this back and forth. And one of the ways we cultivate the Jesus stories in our lives, and one of the ways we mature in our faith, one of the ways that we walk in repentance and renewal is that we're, we're speaking. You know, most of the Psalms were not meant to be read silently. They were meant to be spoken or sung. That's super uncomfortable for me. I found as I was preparing this message and talking about it, I was like, wow, I like to do a lot of my thing. I like to do a lot of this thinking and not speaking. And I've been challenged to start speaking by myself. I think that's going to be weird, um, but that's okay. That word meditation, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. The Greek word is haga, or haga, however you say it. Um, we'll, we'll wait on, oh yeah, you can put that up there. In just a second, we'll come back to that one, Andy. Um, but it's, it's, the word means this, to meditate, to groan, to growl. It also means like to mutter, like muttering. Do you guys mutter? I don't know. It feels like an old person thing to do is to mutter. Like you just walk around and mutter and growl. Like doves, it's actually used as a word to talk about doves and the, the noise they make in the morning. But there's this sound, this, there's this muttering. And I think there's this, this idea of meditation. So Dwight Pryor says this, biblical meditation has content. It arises from God's word and works, indeed, God himself. And biblical meditation has sound, the Hebrew word for meditation. It points us to verbalizing our thoughts before God. I got up this morning, and I was trying to get my thoughts straight, and I was all in my head, and I found a prayer, and I just started speaking the prayer out loud. And all of a sudden, I, I, had, uh, I was no longer scattered. I was no longer all over the place. You know, when you speak, it's hard to let your thoughts wander. It's like your mind can't multitask. While you're speaking, you're focused on what you're saying. You're focused on what you're speaking. There's a biblical connection between word and heart, speaking. Things become real when we speak them. Have you ever had that? I had a close friend pass away. And I had, the first time I had to call, Sarah was out of town. She was in Argentina. And I had to call her and tell her. And it, she was the first person that I told. And I found that it almost broke me to, use, to articulate the words. Because when I spoke them, it, it became real to me. I knew it. We know stuff, but when we speak stuff, it becomes real. It becomes real. Our words are powerful. I think our culture has become incredibly visual and less auditory. 
We can read things, and we can engage in things, and we can watch things, but it doesn't require us to speak. I mean, how many of you actually call people versus texting? Now, I know that sounds like an old person. Be like, please just call me. Don't text me. I don't mean it that way. I actually like aspects of texting, but I think we've become, I think we need to recapture storytelling to one another and talking to one another and speaking because there's power in us using our words. We can engage with people through written mediums, but without speaking, do we really reveal what's in our heart? I want to work on this. I want to work on speaking. Speaking keeps us from changing the subject, and speaking helps reveal what's in our hearts. So biblical meditation helps us to work on cultivating God's stories and rewriting our broken stories. That's one of the things I want to encourage is like, the Lord wants to rewrite stories in us, and we get to participate in that. We get to activate ourselves. I want to activate us today in meditating on the words of God, telling stories to one another, and asking the Lord, like Leslie spoke this morning, to bring in a zoom of light. That's what That's what spending time with the Lord and with one another is meant to do, is to bring that revelation. It helps us do the heart work, the storing up of good things in our hearts that then flows out of our mouths. Man, the Lord just wants to build that storehouse of goodness in our hearts so that when we're poked next time, we don't want to call fire down on a place. When we're poked next time, we start weeping for the fact that they just rejected Jesus walking through their village. Do they know what they're missing? How is the Lord going to rework goodness in our hearts? How is he going to change us? The Lord is committed to our maturity. The Lord wants our maturity more than anything. And I think at times our engagement with the Lord is as, um, more like as observers, Like, oh, well, I'm going to watch worship. I'm going to watch that on YouTube. I'm going to watch this event. I'm going to go and observe. And the Lord's like, out of the abundance of your mouth, your mouth, I want your mouth to speak. He's like, I'm giving you better stories so you can tell them, so you can share them. And I I want you to share your hard stories, your bad stories, because I want to bring healing and renewal. The Lord wants to amplify what he's already put there and rewrite what's broken there. And we engage in this process of rewiring and rewriting and renewal and maturity when we focus on the words, speaking the words and the meditations of our heart. What are we saying? What are we muttering? What are you muttering? I think we probably do that a lot. We mutter. This is going on and that's going on. And I think Right now, at times, what I hear is there's like a lot of discontent and a lot of frustration and angst, and and I think the Lord wants to change our muttering. Not that that stuff goes away, but the Lord's like, I want you to come a little deeper with me, and I want you to come mutter with me. I want you to come talk with me. I want you to come behold my beauty. I want you to bring your worry and your fear, and I want to work that out. Because I want you to do stuff. I want you to show up differently in the world. Yes, there's a lot of stuff we can all complain about in the world and in your own life and in your own job and in your own family and in your own hardships. All of those things are there. And the Lord's like, I want to develop a storehouse 
in you. So I want to challenge us to do three things today. One is start listening to the stories we're telling and ask the Lord to uncover stories he wants to redeem in you or rewire in you or change in you. What repentance and renewal does the Lord want to do in you? Lord, I just ask like that beam of light to come in. And this, I'm not asking you to, to work harder or come up to some code. The Lord wants to reveal areas of healing and rewiring and changing in you. The second is start cultivating your heart through meditating on the word of God. Meditating on scriptures, singing songs, meditating on messages. Just as we talked in Colossians about let, the, let Christ dwell among you richly. The only way that, the, that Christ dwells among us richly is that we meditate on the words and the songs and the messages of the Lord. And lastly, the third one, and this is the one I'm challenging myself even more to, is speak the words of God audibly. Sing them, read them, declare them, but speak them. Start speaking the words of God over your life. And so I want to close with, three, with four psalms. They're very short. Um, I took excerpts out of these psalms. But I want to give you some examples of where in the psalms. If you don't know what to meditate on or, or how to pour your heart out or what to do, I, I just rec recommend pick a psalm. If I could give you one for this week, Psalm 19. If you could take Psalm 19 this week, the very last verse is the one we read earlier today. May the meditations of my heart, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. That's the last verse. The first 13 verses is the psalmist reflecting on the goodness of the Lord, the bigness of the Lord. Marinate in that psalm this week. Speak it, sing it, declare it. And then in our lives with one another, man, there's nothing more that I like to do than sit with people and hear their stories because I believe as we share our stories, the Lord has put us in one another's lives to tell a better, to tell a better story in areas. The Lord wants to use us that way with one another. How can we bring encouragement and comfort and exhortation into the lives of one another? If we don't tell our stories, if our stories are not honest, if we're not revealing who we are and where we are, we don't have an opportunity for the Lord to speak a better word. So Psalm 48, I want to give you three verses here. Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. You could stop there. If you wanted to just like meditate this week and say, Lord, show me how your love is unfailing. Show me how it's been unfailing in the past. I want to believe that it's going to be unfailing in the future. Show me everything about your unfailing love. We meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. As your name deserves, O God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. Let the people on Mount Zion rejoice. Let all the towns of Sandy and West Jordan and Draper and, uh, be glad because of your justice. Okay, next Psalm 145. Think about this with your kids, verse 4. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Speak, 
Speak the words to the next generation. Speak the words to our kids. I like this in Psalm 77. He says this, uh, and I said, so this is where our hearts get poured out. This is the psalmist. And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. So that's a good place to start. Like, God, you're against me. God wants to hear that. It's like, okay, bring it. You're, tell me how you feel. I feel that you're against me. And then the psalmist says, but then I recall all you've done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. In the Greek, or in the Hebrew, that word in there is that mutter word, the haggah, the, the meditate word. Is it there in verse 12? But the Lord wants us to come to him this way. You've turned your hand against me, Lord. The last one, Psalm 143, 5. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Sometimes it's a longing. Sometimes it's a grief. Sometimes it's a pain. But it's like, Lord, do what you did before. Like, you've been mighty before. Will you be mighty again? You're the God that does that. You've been faithful before. You'll be faithful again. So I'd encourage us this morning as we're, in, we're, we're done now. But I want to encourage you to start muttering. Start muttering the words of the Lord over your life. And if you don't, and if you find that what you're muttering when you're speaking is like, man, this is bad stuff. Get with someone and say, or mutter it to the Lord, but ask the Lord to redeem that. What is it that's coming up out of your heart that you're muttering that the Lord's like, yep, I'm going to heal that. I'm going to restore that. I'm going to renew that. Or I'm going to weep with you in that. Sometimes there isn't a resolution. Sometimes there's just a sitting with the Lord in that place. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for today. I pray, God, that for each one of us, you just bring that, that beam of light into our hearts, that place that you want to re rewrite part of our stories, you want to rewire some of our stories, you want to redeem, you want to renew. Lord, you speak a better story over each of our lives. So we just invite you to do that. We're not afraid of you shining your light on our lives because you want to you bring goodness. Lord, would you open up our mouths? Would each of us learn to start speaking and meditating and muttering on your words in new ways? Would you stir that up in us? Lord, would you stir up a greater capacity for us to speak your goodness? Speak your root, your truth, your reality, your person, your character. Lord, give us the words to speak those things over our lives and over the people around us. Lord, thank you that you want to raise up a, your glory. You want, you want your glory to be revealed, and you want to mature us. So, Lord, we just open ourselves up to you working that in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like specific prayer for anything this morning, Bruce and Joanne are going to be over at the table there. Please go. We, we love um, spending time and praying with, with one another because we just, we believe when we pray and we come into agreement, the Lord brings revelation in life. If you're online and you need prayer, we have an email address. Please uh, email that and we will reach out to you and pray with you. Um, but 
I think we're done. Every, amen. Everybody have a great day. Have a great week.